Welcome to Conduit. My name is Darren Tyler. I'm the pastor, and I am excited that you are here. Um, if you're a visitor on your, uh, at the table sitting around, there are these little visitor cards. We'd love to have a record of your visit. Uh, just fill that out, and then later when we do the um, offering, you can put it there. Also, if you're part of Conduit, but you're not getting the emails that we send out every week, um, that's my bad. If, if you're not, if you want to, at the time of the offering, just put your email address and name on a piece of paper, even if it's a visitor card, and put it in the offering. That's fine. We'll see that and know that you want to be on it. We send out, with the exception of Thanksgiving week, I might add, because I did not get one out this week, um, a, uh, just an email of what's going on. Uh, we don't normally take time for announcements because you're going to remember 10% of what I said anyway, so I'll figure you can read the announcements. And then when you say, man, I didn't know that was going on, I can say, well, you didn't read your email, did you? Now, uh, and on the website, that's right, that's, uh, that's right. You can also go to Conduit Mission or ConduitChurch.com and uh, put your, sign up for the email list there. And then every week you'll get this uh, colorful, uh, picturesque, sometimes witty, not very often, uh, email that uh, tells everything that's going on in the church so that we don't waste a lot of time with me telling you a bunch of stuff that you're going to forget. Anyway, um, good news, the Gilberts baby, uh, who's been on Dark Roast for about 10 days extra, uh, was born Friday, <laughs> and he was a meaty boy, 10 pounds, 8 ounces, and 1 ounce, and had a mustache, so I don't know if he, <laughs> he's been in there a little too long, apparently, um, but uh, we were there last night, and baby and mama and daddy are doing great. Keep them in your prayers. Jeff uh, actually leaves the life of a musician. He leaves Wednesday to go to Germany to play uh, a show with his band, but uh, he gets a couple days with the man-child. We don't have a name yet. Uh, we're jockeying for Darren. I feel like it's not working, but, you know, you, you, we'll try, uh, and then the, which is kind of cool. We always named ours ahead of time, um, but they wanted to get, get to know him, and it felt very biblical, so anyway. Uh, so baby, uh, baby Gilbert born, and you know, one other thing before we start into our message um, if you're not in a village yet, can I encourage you to do that? Um, that's what we're calling our small group environment. Um, Shannon and I are part of a village. Jeremy and, I, uh, Jeremy and Amber are actually leading a village. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to get to know each other because this, what's happening right here, uh, this is our once-a-week gathering. This isn't the church, though. This is when we get together, you know, learn, worship, and all those things together, maybe get some marching orders. But, man, in the village environment, that's where church can happen. And so if you are not, and you're interested and want to get involved, if you could see Jeremy afterwards, um, he could point you in the right direction of, uh, we, I think we've got five villages, six, five and a half villages, um, <laughs> and, uh, and more, you know, hopefully starting. So just pray about that. If it's, you know, no pressure, if, it's, if you're not feeling that, no pressure, but if you want to be involved in one, man, we'd sure love to have you, and uh, I think that your life would be Better. I know that ours is. We're uh, part of the Fadley Village, and, uh, and it's been a great experience for us to get to have a relationship in a way that you just sometimes can't get on a Sunday morning when you're pushing speakers around. So, so pray about that. Am I missing anything? Looking to my wife. The Christmas program. Okay, look, parents. First of all, I get to play a cameo appearance, okay? We tried to get uh, Alec Baldwin, but he was booked, so they booked me instead. Um, and, uh, but here's the thing, parents, we got to work with our kids. I say we, me, uh, to make sure we got our lines because it's in two weeks, December 12th, two weeks. Okay. They're working their heinies off. Okay. And my daughter, when I'm doing lines with her, practicing with her, I've only got like three lines on the whole thing. And, uh, she schooled me under the table. So, um, but 
But that said, when, in the next couple weeks, if we're, we're going to get together to do some rehearsing, do whatever we can to, if your kids need to be here early on Sundays, I think that's the plan is to rehearse on Sunday so that we're not having to give away another day. So if you have to be here a little early, if you could do that, man, please do whatever you can to get your kids here for that. Um, it's actually going to be amazing. I was back there watching them rehearse, and again, they schooled me on my lines. Uh, it's going to be amazing. It's a, a, a uh, musical, a play that Jim actually wrote. Jim, our children's minister, wrote it, and our kids are acting full-blown, acting in the in the play. It's not going to be the token. We're going to get them up and sing, you know, We Three Kings kind of thing. It's an actual presentation. It's going to be awesome. And if you can bring your uh, friends, family, whatever, that's a great opportunity to invite friends and family, because uh, it's going to be a great opportunity also to connect, because it's, it's, it's the gospel. It's going to be wrapped up in the gospel, a great opportunity to uh, use as an opportunity to, to speak to maybe a neighbor or whatever that you've been trying to reach out to. So that's December 12th, okay? Uh, and again, I will be in full costume that day. I will be in character, so don't bother me on that day, because I'm going to be Mr. Whiten, Pastor Whiten, Old Man Whiten. All right. <laughs> Let's go to the Word. <laughs> Enough of announcements. That's why we don't do announcements, because I'm terrible at them. (laughs) Acts chapter 13 is where we have been for a long time. We're almost halfway through the book of Acts. And as a church, we decided early on, I felt like the Lord led us to start in the book of Acts. Because, especially if you're new here, you may not know this, but we've only been around for since Easter. Like, we're a brand new baby church. And we felt like God was starting something in us, starting a movement in our hearts. And we thought, what better place to start than the book of Acts, the the birth of a movement, you know? These folks that weren't giving their lives on behalf of a building program or or even just a gathering on Sundays, it was a part of a cause, the cause of Christ. And we saw in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, he said that, I'll give you power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And that was how this thing was born. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power to go be my witnesses. And we actually talked about that, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit on our first Sunday. And then you see over in Acts chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. By the way, I'm probably going to go through a few scriptures today. And I was thinking about this last night. Don't try to scramble to get there. We have this on podcast. It's free if you want to go back uh, and, and read them later. Or for that matter, if the Lord is actually speaking to you and you've got your notebook or your journal there and he's speaking to you, by all means, don't let me interrupt. Check out. Write down what he's saying to you and then check back in later and then you can always go back to the podcast. But I, just, as I was going through the scriptures last night, I felt like just to tell you, don't feel like you've got to scramble because you're going to be missing something because you're going to be looking for you know Ecclesiastes or something. So, um, so feel free just to... to uh, sit back and let the water of the word go through you, and then if you need to go back later, if that makes sense. So Acts chapter 2 is when Peter stands up and he preaches for the first time. The, the same guy, the little chicken guy that was hiding behind a, a trash barrel saying, I don't even know who he is, is now standing up in front of the same people and preaches the gospel. And 3,000 people get saved that day in Jerusalem, just like Jesus said would happen. I'll give you power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And it was so successful that in Acts chapter 5, it says in 528, they were accused of spreading a determined, uh, verse 20, it says, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with all of your teaching. So the entire city was now filled with their teaching, Jerusalem. And then it goes to Judea and Samaria. And in Acts chapter 8, 
it says that there was a great persecution, verse 1, that rose. And they were spread out through Judea and then Samaria. Just as they said, Jesus said, it would happen. You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. In fact, later in chapter 8, it actually says that the entire city of Samaria believed. Like there was such a revival, like the entire city believed. Just as Jesus said. And then in Acts 13, which is where we find ourselves, or have found ourselves for the past three months, it seems, is then they moved into the rest of the world. Because it says that Paul and Barnabas were sent out And they were no longer in Judea, no longer in Samaria, no longer in Jerusalem, but they were sent out into the rest of the world. And I say that today, I feel like it's a good time to take a a look back and to see, this is the progress that we've seen. It's a good review of the book of Acts, but I don't say it just as a review of the book of Acts. But also because when you read a command like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses, Some of us tend to read that with an intonation. You will be my witnesses. And so we feel this pressure. I got to go get my tracks. I got to go down and, you know, uh, witness to my neighbors. There's this pressure, this heavy burden of the Lord on us. You will be my witnesses. And I think that when we read it that way, we're missing the point. Because Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, not just as a command, but as a promise, not just as a statement of fact, not just legislation, but a promise, a prophecy, if you will. So that when you will be my witnesses, it's like you will be. And then look, this is exactly how it unfolded in their lives. And I think that that's germane to all of us because we have this idea sometimes that God's commands to me, God's commands to you are this heavy, burdensome, pressure, I'm not, I'm not witnessing enough. I'm not, I, we feel this lack of, of, of getting it right of the commands of the Lord in our life. And it becomes this heavy burden in our lives. As opposed to what it should be, which is a promise. He's going to give you the, not only the promise to do it, but the power to do it. And we don't have to take it as a burden. Think with me. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, his commands were legislation. It was ten commandments. If you do these things, you know, the law... And, it, and sometimes we look back on the law and we think we always use it in this negative connotation. Oh, it's just we're under the law. I'm not under the law anymore. And you've got to think, well, which part of the law did I not like? Was it the, you know, don't kill my neighbor one? Was it the don't steal my neighbor's wife? I mean, what law, we understand, what law was it? Do you, do you want to lie? Which one was it that's so heavy and so burdensome? And the problem isn't the law itself. The problem is that we can't do it. When he said these Ten Commandments, if, if we were to keep all of them, we would be perfect. Because we're not lying. We're not cheating. We're not stealing our neighbor's wives. We're not. It's not that it was burdensome. It's just that as humans in our fallen condition, we couldn't do them. And he would say to you, do these things, and in exchange for that, you would be righteous. You would be right standing. Do you understand that this is how you'd be righteous? And every year was a great reminder that we could not be righteous enough. A reminder that we just couldn't do it. And so Hebrews 5 tells us that they would have a sacrifice. They would take the choicest of lambs and oxen. You know what I'm talking about this. And from that, they would pay for their sins because God is a just God. And if I lie, if I cheat, it's not that it's not a big deal to him. And it's not like a wink and a nod. Uh, You know, boys will be boys. It's not that at all. God is just. And so that 
sacrifice would pay for that sin for that year. It would satisfy, blood would satisfy. The wages of sin is what? Death. So that was cashing that check, okay? Hebrews 5 goes on to tell us that every year there was a reminder and every year that even the priest himself would have to do a sacrifice for his own sins, right? But that was not to be the forever until Jesus came. And then Hebrews 5 tells us that Jesus' sacrifice was a once and for all, not just for my sins, John tells me, not just for your sins, but the sins of the whole world. And you're thinking, Darren, this is very elementary. I know, hang on with me. You'll see what I'm, you'll smell what I'm stepping in in a minute. My sins, the sins of the whole world are taken care of because of this, and hear this out. He didn't just trade in a old set of laws and rules and regulations for a new set of rules, laws, and regulations. I don't get rid of the Old Testament and then now I'm saved and now that's the starting point for this whole new set of laws and rules and regulations. And I know that's uncomfortable because that's how we all grew up. Now that you get saved, this was the 80s for me, we got saved, now you gotta go burn all your secular music and you gotta burn your movies and you can't, you know, it's like you can't, 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 can't. I traded in a whole new, a whole old set of laws for a whole new set of laws. This is not the new covenant. His promises to us in the New Testament, his commands to us in the New Testament are promises. And think with me, I just heard a guy, there's a guy named John Sheesby that I've been listening to a lot lately, and he gave the best example this week of this when he said that when Jesus said to the lame man who was lowered down into his, through the roof and lowered down in front of him, and he said to him, rise up, take your bed, and walk. The man didn't have the power to do that. That was a command that could have seemed kind of heavy. Well, Jesus, he can't do that. Rise up and walk. He gave him a command, but it was a promise to rise up and walk, at which point he did. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery that would come to Jesus, and he would say to her, go and sin no more. She didn't have the power to do that because Again, we had a whole old set of laws and regulations that were traded in that proved she didn't have the power to do that. But Jesus gave her the power to do that. When he gave us the Holy Spirit, it gave us, Acts 1.8 tells us, the power to be his witnesses. I say this to you because last week we talked a lot about what has God spoken in your heart to do, and now what do we do about it? And if you weren't here, go back and get the teaching. We talked a little bit about Larry the crazy horse guy and, and, and what to do about it. Because his commands to you are promises. He gives you the power. If he told you to go and to start a ministry, if he told you to go and to do something, he will not, it's not a heavy burden for you. It's a power, promise, prophecy. You will be my witnesses, not a heavy burden, but it's just a statement of fact. You're going to be this. You're going to do this. But as we talked about it last week, it was a realization to me that a lot of us, we don't know what's next. We haven't heard from the Lord in a while, or so we think. We haven't heard of thus saith the Lord in our lives. And so we're sort of in this analysis paralysis mode. Well, now what do I do? I'm in this situation. I've got this thing, or I feel like God has called me to this city. I don't know what to do now. I can't hear his voice. And it, sometimes I'm, I, I sent out a little tweet this morning. You know, we have this idea that God sounds like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones or 
Master Yoda, someone said. Um, I feel sorry if you, if that's the voice of God in your mind, <laughs> Master Yoda. <laughs> Growing up, by the way, in, um, I grew up in a charismatic church. And so in that world, there was, uh, generally speaking, an opportunity. If you didn't grow up this way, you know, this is really true. And if you did grow up this way, you'll, you'll remember this. When there would usually be, we you do three songs, two slow songs, and then there would be sort of this low music. There would be a moment, if someone had a word from the Lord, that then they would share that. And if it was a really good one, there would generally be a tongues first, and then the interpretation, okay? And you never knew when it was going to happen, Actually, you did know. Here's when it was going to happen. If you invited your friend to church on that day, that's when it was going to happen. You'd be like, <laughs> and, and you, you'd hear that. Like, and it, generally, it was like the same. For us, it was Stella, and and Stella would, you know, do the thing, and, and then you would, if you had your friend with you, this would be the look on their face. They'd be kind of quiet because you really don't know what to do because you've never been in a situation where you hear the music and there's maybe somebody singing in tongues or whatever, and then and and then the lady would shout out or the dude would shout out, and then this would be the look on the guy's face. And then, of course, there would be the interpretation moment, okay? And usually it would be the same intone thing. And, and always, always, always it would be start with a thus saith the Lord, okay? Now, I, I never knew whether that was actually them announcing that it was the Lord or if it was the Lord talking about himself in third person. Thus saith the Lord, and then he would go into for I have, you know, and it was always something pretty good. Thus saith the Lord. And that was how kind of God spoke. And, and understand this, I'm not knocking that. There's, there's a, I mean, I have some opinions about it and some thoughts as far as Paul is concerned in Corinthians, just decency and an order. But that was, God can, here's the thing, whatever your doctrinal background is, God can get in the middle of all of it and find you and, and work through you, okay? So we sometimes get kind of caught up in the, the, the minutia of it, and it's not my preference or whatever, but that, that was how it worked for us. Thus saith the Lord. By the way, I always felt like as I got older in, in the, Bless their hearts. Is, uh, in the old days, you knew that it was, you were welcome to do something like that. Because most, if you had a strange name like Conduit Church, or you just knew that was not like First Baptist, so you were welcome to do that. These days, I always feel like they need to give like a, um, some sort of like marching orders for charismatics. Like if you get in here, here are the rules of engagement. <laughs> you are not allowed to. Because there was a church we were at for a while here in town. And, and look, if you're in a, if you're, especially if you're a charismatic worship leader, if you get to that point where you, you're just doing keyboards, you're asking for trouble, okay? Because if there's somebody in there, that's their cue. And then we had this guy that he would do that like every Sunday, and it would scare the bejesus out of me because he'd be right behind us, and he had this Irish accent that sounded much like God, but um, he would, and he would usually write it ahead of time. It would be like, thus saith the Lord. It would startle me. And anyway, um, and, I, and I don't say that necessarily to make fun of that because, again, God could get in the middle of all of our stuff and work. But what I say to you, that is to bring up this point that there's this idea that God, when he's going to speak to you, that there's some dramatic fashion in which it has to happen. There needs to be reverb, for instance. There needs to be maybe a little bit of a delay on the voice. There needs to be a word from the Lord like that to speak to you for you to move. And sometimes that's how it happens, minus the reverb. Two years ago, I got a call from Diana Covey. Diana Covey was someone I've known since I was a child, and God had used to speak to me in times past through Diana. And she called, and, and I remember it because it was the weekend of the Haiti Ball. Okay, So we had uh, Michael W. Smith was the, the secret guest, and it was sound check. And, and she had called me while he was sound checking, and so I sort of snuck out the back. And she said, Darren, I've been praying for you. And she's one of those ladies, like, 
when she says she's been praying for you, A, she's not lying, and B, God was listening. Like when they graduated from Bible college, they went to the poorest county in the United States in South Dakota on the Indian Reservation to start a church. And let me tell you what, 10% of zero is zero. The poorest county in America is like a third world country that they've been invested in for 20 years. She has a direct line to God's red phone, okay? So she calls to say, look, I've been praying for you, and God has something that I, I gotta share with you. Now what she didn't know was the day before that was Friday, and I'd gotten a phone call from a, an organization, it was a relief organization, said, hey, we'd love to uh, talk to you about this job. We'd want you to travel uh, and speak every Sunday, and all you have to do is do a presentation, speak about God and his care for the poor and the defenseless. And if you've been around us, you know that's, that's our heartbeat. That's what we're all about. And it would be a great salary. There'd be a dental plan. And all I had to do was fly out on Sundays and be back on Mondays. I could write books and be thoughtful, and it would just sound like the perfect gig. It was a great organization, which actually I never thought about, but coincidentally based in South Dakota, which is where Diana was from. Um, and for me, it was like, man just feel like I want this is perfect this is exactly the gig that I wanted because if you've been around you know that I thought that was what it, someday I would you know quit my job in the music business and get rid of my company and travel and speak and it was like God was handing me this thing except for one thing it didn't feel peaceful at all I felt turmoil in about it. I was just like oh I just didn't feel right and you know Shannon and I talked about it and it's just I wanted it to be right but it didn't feel right and I knew that God had more in ministry but I didn't know what it was and so this is the, the day that Diana calls me and says, and she says, you know, I don't do this very often. And she's right. It had been 20 years since she had done it. And, and you know that if God, if, if this is God, do something with it. And if not, just throw it out. But here's what I feel like God wants to say to you. And I feel like if I don't say this to you now, that uh, I can't, I'm never going to sleep. So I'm just going to say it. And if it's not God, you know, she says, I feel like that what God is saying is that you have been struggling in, in, in turmoil, the words, and that uh, is God have more for you in ministry? And he's saying to you, yes, he does, but be patient. Don't kick the door down. Be patient and wait for the opportunity to come. And immediately when she said, don't kick the door down, I just knew in my heart that it meant don't kick the door down on the way out because the door into some place is the door out of someplace else. And I had a company with employees and I had clients and I had literally if I would have done that on a Friday I would have had to have started in a week and my entire company would have imploded and the employees would have been out of work and it was just literally me kicking down a door and to be patient and I knew that that was from God and I knew that I, I called him on Monday and I felt peaceful to say it's just not the right opportunity for me not at this point maybe later it was going to be a year more before I knew exactly what it was that God was looking to do with us. A year more before I realized that God was wanting to be a church. And a year more of me wondering and waiting, but the turmoil had gone away because I knew that God had my number and I knew that there was something he was doing and I just had to wait on him. Now, that's great because I got a, quote, word from the Lord on that. If you don't have a word from the Lord, if you don't have something speaking into your life, what do you do? How do you know if God is speaking to you? Because I want you, in fact, go with me to Colossians, if you will, 316. Because I'm prepared to tell you today that God is speaking to you 
you just aren't hearing it. You're listening for something, and he's right there in front of you. Paul would tell the Colossians, the church at Colossae, in verse 16, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Now that is interesting because when we think let the word of God dwell in us, we think of the Bible, don't we? But the church at Colossae didn't have a Bible. They had the Torah, they had access to the Old Covenant, but they, didn't, they couldn't run down the lifeway and get their name engraved on their Bible and pick, a, you know, pick an you know, interpretation or a translation of it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. You and I have the Holy One, the Word made flesh. It says in John 1 that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You have the One, the One who wrote this dwelling inside of you. If you are a believer, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have believed He indwells you, you have the guy that wrote the book inside of you. He's speaking to you. Now, why can't we hear him? When you were saved, when I was saved, when Christ stepped into our lives, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, it says that we were made new creatures. It says that old things were passed away. So I've got a new heart that was placed inside of me. But there's one part of me, one piece of me, that is not immediately made new. In fact, Paul would tell us in Romans 12 that it's our mind, that we ought to be, Romans 12, 1, uh, to offer ourselves, as, uh, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your act of worship, your spiritual act of worship. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is not made new. Your mind is something that we renew. When we are sanctifying our lives, we are making our minds new. L let me ask you this. How does the enemy talk to you? Right? In your thoughts. You have no problem thinking, I have no problem thinking that, oh, that thought, that was, that was not good. That was from the enemy. My thoughts, my minds, where God, where the enemy attacks me. But listen to this in Jeremiah 31. Go there later. If you don't have it underlined, you ought to have it sharpied, asterisked, and a little post-it notes all over it. Because it's the first promise of a new covenant that God was going to make with us. And he said this, that I will write my will on your hearts and on your minds. Our thoughts Sometimes it's a prophecy. Sometimes it's a word from the Lord. But God is speaking to us every day, and we have no problem, again, thinking of it in my mind when the enemy is trying to get to me, as opposed to thinking, well, maybe God is, maybe those thoughts that I'm having, those ideas that are inside of me, is God speaking to me. I will write my will on your hearts and on your minds. What is the idea that you have that when you think about it, it jumps in your heart, on your heart and on your mind? What is that thought when you think, I'd love to do this, it just makes your heart jump on your hearts and on your minds. And the problem of hearing it 
isn't that he's not speaking, it's that we're not listening. Renewing our minds. And how do we do that? Go back to Colossians with me. On your hearts and on your minds, but we have to renew our minds. Tuning out all the noise, all those things. It's no wonder that we have so much access to media. To, to, and it's so funny because in the 80s it was so simple. Is it Christian or is it secular? You know, and that's the wrong question. Paul gives us the question in Philippians. He says, is it holy? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it of a good report? Think on these things. It's like a coffee filter. That's what I tell my kids. When you make coffee out there, there's a filter that keeps all the grind, the grounds behind. The filter for us is, is it holy? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of a good report? And anything that comes out the other side of that filter, that's good. Again, this is something that John Sheesby had just heard this week, and it was so timely for what we're talking about. But he said that growing up, he was always told, and I've, I don't know if I was ever told this, but I certainly always thought this, that there was three sources of information for me. There was God, there was the devil, and there was me. And I had to figure out in between those things what was really it. Was this just a dumb idea that I've got some crazy lunatic idea to start a church? Or was it God? Or was it evil? But John said in Hebrews 5, it shows us that, and he talks about by now you should be, you might know this passage, you should be eating meat, but instead you're eating milk. And he goes on to say that you should be able to determine between good and evil. There's not a third. It's one or the other. It's good, it's God. If it's evil, it's the devil. You can filter out the noise immediately by just saying, I don't even have to choose between three anymore. Now it's, is it God or is it the devil? Period. How do I decide between those two, which one is the voice of God and which one would be the voice of the enemy in my life? I do it by the renewing of my mind. And Colossians, you go back to there with me. I know we told you to turn there. He says this, to speak to one another. Let the, Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and singing songs. Now, I noticed something yesterday, and maybe you've known this. This was a new one on me. But when it says one another there, the Greek word, go to blueletterbible.org. You can see I'm not making this up. The original Greek word, heatu, was not each other. It was yourself. To speak to yourself in psalms and him sing to yourself to teach yourself and it begins to make a lot of sense because jeremiah the promise was you don't need a teacher to teach you i'm going to teach you i am god i will teach you and it's not that you know john would actually go on to say in in, in his letters that we all have knowledge we need no man to teach us he's not discounting the gift of teaching it's one of the spiritual gifts in the word but it's saying don't discredit yourself saying that I'm lesser than somebody else, and so I don't have the ability to hear God myself. I have to wait for a word from the Lord. I have to wait for a pastor or a teacher to tell me, and he's saying, no, 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 no. You let the word of Christ dwell in you. You don't need to wait on it. It's, it's a lie of the enemy that you've got to wait on someone else to help you understand it, to help you to know it enough that then you can go do what God has called you to do. And I'm telling you this, if you've been in the church 
longer than two years, you know more than any of the disciples knew before they were sent out two by two. Because that word of Christ, that Holy Spirit dwells in you and he will teach you on the fly. And you know me, if you've been around, you know I'm not discrediting the word. If there's anything we do here, it is we teach the word. We believe this is, if it is God's supernatural, God-breathed book to us, and we believe that it is, we have access to all of the original Greek, so we know exactly what was written, so that if some translator changed it, we know what it is. We can find it. It's not, and even with that, it doesn't change it. It's the gospel. It is there. It is in here. We believe that this is the word of God. But don't let the enemy lie to you that you have to wait to hear from me or anybody else to hear from God. And if you're in a moment in a struggle right now to think, man, I just, I'm not hearing it though. I'm not there. I would encourage you to renew your minds, to let the word of Christ, the Holy One, dwell in you. To renew your mind. Ephesians tells us the washing of his bride. He's washing us by the water of the word. To speak to yourself in teaching yourself, to speak the word to yourself. We get so book-oriented, right? I mean, I'm, I love to read, but I read quietly to myself, right? Because I can read faster. This says speaking it to myself. Saying it out loud to say, this is what my history tells me about me, but this is what God tells me about me. Israel standing on the edge of, the, of Jericho. Man, they were nervous as a cat. God said, I will give you, I give you this land. And they sent spies in, and the spies came back and said, we can't take this land. But God didn't say, take it. He said, I'm going to give it to you. And so my question to you is, are you going to believe what God told you or what you're able to do? God told them they could do it. God told them he would give it to them. It wasn't about whether they could take it or not. That wasn't the point. It's not the point whether or not you can do what you think God is telling you to do. The point is, is are you going to believe the report of your history or the report of what God says about you? And we start with the renewing of our minds. Speaking to ourselves in the Word. Spending your, and if you're in, look, I, I've said this kind of other ways, and I don't mean to sound this cocky at all, but... I mean, how's your way working, right? If it's not, try this. Give it a shot. Spend some time in the Word tomorrow morning, this afternoon. You know, I know that David Deloach listens to the Bible on tape. He has a tape player in his car, kids. In the old days, kids, we had tapes. Things that, you know, they'd spin and music would come out of them. Um, listens to the Bible. On, it's, he's hearing it. It's putting it in his mind. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. That word, by the way, in Hebrews for God is Christos. It's Jesus Christ in you. His word speaking to you. That's where your faith comes from. It's where my faith comes from. And look at what Romans says. As we renew our minds, believing what God is saying over us, renewing your minds, it says this, and then verse Three, I've got it marked there, I think it's three. Then you will be able, listen to this, then, don't miss this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's not that hard. We just have to stop letting religion lie to us that there's some hierarchy, that there is, did God really say? The oldest trick in the book, what did Eve in the garden, she's looking at the fruit, and what did Satan say to her? Did God really say? 
lying to her? Did he really say? And to you this morning, that's probably it. Did God really say? Because as I've thought over my life, for the most part, I wasn't scared to do something God was telling me to do. The bigger fear was, did God really tell me to do that? Or is this just some cockeyed scheme that I've cooked up? Because as I thought back over this church, I'd thought about it before, and I never said it out loud. Occasionally, I would like kind of make a passing comment, and somebody would laugh at me and be like, oh, that's right, I don't need to do that. It's a dumb idea. That's my idea. God was speaking to me in my thoughts and in my mind, and I just didn't even know it. I had discredited and disqualified myself from hearing his voice, thinking there had to be some sort of James Earl Jones moment. And he was speaking to me all along. And I would encourage you this morning to know you do not need some man to teach you, some man to tell you. You have the Holy Spirit, the living one of God, dwelling on the inside of you, the one that wrote the book to begin with. And what do we need the word for then? Absolutely, we need it. Because God might, you might think, I need to, you know, I, I, I reference to a, uh, a person not long ago who was uh, struggling in his marriage and he, he, uh, he didn't have a job. And he's like, I just feel like God's telling me not to get a job. And I'm saying, I feel like that is not God. Because God says, you know, you're to try to provide for your wife. And not, you know, not everybody, you, I'm not saying if you're out of a job or whatever that you're an infidel. But the Bible tells us as, as a man, we're to, to provide. We're to go out and work. So if you're sitting at home playing video games all day, like this young man was, because God told him to do that, I'm saying that's probably not the word. That's probably not the Lord. That's an evil thought. <laughs> we need the word to fall back to those moments. Of, is this really in the word or is it not? But I would challenge each and every one of you to live your life every day thinking that God is speaking to me in my mind and treat every thought as if it's a God thought. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I need God's, I really feel like God's telling me to give this guy this book or God's telling me to stop and give this homeless guy some money. Or God, it, what if you're wrong? What's the worst that could happen? You just gave a guy some money who needed some money, right? I mean, we sort of overcook it and overthink it. And if God's really in your heart and your mind, He's speaking to you all along. Those are God ideas. And my prayer this morning is that our body of believers, our conduit would be, man, just a creative fire of God ideas, of people listening to what God is telling them in their mind and moving forward with it. Now look, if your mind is not renewed, if you're in a point where you just really, I would encourage you to spend some time on that first, Okay. Because then you will know his will for your life, his good and perfect and pleasing will. As you're renewing your mind, there are things in our mind that it just triggers these bad emotions in us. It triggers these bad memories. It triggers these things in us. When, when things are going bad in your life, it triggers the thing of maybe an abandonment with it. And it's, again, it's, it's your history. It's your mind that just needs to be renewed. It just needs to be tweaked. But as you're renewing it, listen to those ideas and treat them as God ideas. As we worship, my thought would be to speak to yourself this morning. Maybe go to the Word, have your Bible open, and speak to yourself those things that are true about you, those things that God has spoken to you. And it says to sing songs unto God, to worship Him, to sing and make melody to God as we are letting the word of Christ dwell in us. And then, what are you listening for? What, what, what are you thinking? 
because I might challenge you to believe that it's probably God. And for those of you that you think, Darren, I, I, I've blown it because it was a long time ago when God gave me the ideas that I was supposed to do. When I was in fourth, fifth grade is when I first knew that God had called me to be a teacher of the Bible. And I blew it for a long, 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 long time. Hebrews 3 tells us, though, that today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Today. Wow. It's today. So you blew it yesterday? That's great. It's today. Every day is today. You blew it yesterday? Today. Let the Holy Spirit. He is speaking today. There is no indication, no inclination, no remote proof that he stopped speaking when the last of the apostles died. He is alive. He is in our hearts and speaking to you today. What is it he's telling you to do? As we're worshiping him, listen for his voice. And I'm not saying you have to run out and go do it right now. Listen to what God is saying. If it's his idea today, it'll be his idea tomorrow. We don't have to go make it happen. God will provide those doors open. Anybody that's been around here knows we didn't make this church happen. We did everything in our power to keep it from happening. And God just moved, patiently waited for us. Father, we give our hearts and our minds to you today. We, we pray that your word will dwell in us, you, the living one of Christ, the living one of God, Christ, the, the word made flesh that dwelt among us, that now dwells inside of us. That when you give us a command, it's not a prideful, mean, arrogant, scowling eye, but you, it's a promise that it's going to happen in our lives. And so today, we just want to listen for what those ideas are. What is that thing that you're speaking to us, that promise to us? Not a command that's heavy and burdensome, but a promise to us that we might hear that today. And we just give ourselves to you, Lord, our whole heart, soul, and body, offering our bodies as living sacrifices to you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.